This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get to today's podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, I want to talk to you guys about my bookie. Football season is finally here. Chances to make money. I do daily fantasy. I do fantasy leagues. I know you guys do them too. Take that football knowledge you have. Apply it to every single game, every single week. Come out with some money. Pick teams. Pick the line. Pick individual players. Whatever you want. But I'll tell you where I go. I go to my bookie to get that done. It's fast, easy. They pay you when you win. And let's face it, when you're betting, it's just as important to know where you're betting as who you're betting on. So go to my bookie. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football at all, go to my bookie. Did you know you can bet on games after kickoff? You can do that at MyBookie, even if it's the second half. They'll adjust the lines, give you a fair shake, so go ahead and bet in-game. If you're a guy who likes to give a little to win a lot, try their parlays. If your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how much you bet, the NFL season's the best time of year. Go to MyBookie. You can do parlays. You can do individual lines. You can bet in-game. You can do it all. Go to MyBookie. We'll double your first deposit. All you got to do to double, literally double your first deposit is enter the promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, to activate the offer. That's the promo code BLUEWIRE again, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Visit mybookie.ag today. And we're off. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown. It's game week. I'm pumped. I know you're pumped. I'm pumped. You gotta be pumped. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Full-time now writing over at the OBR. I hope you're following me and my work at the OBR. I appreciate you guys following along. Really means a lot to me. I'm finally settled into where I'll be writing. Thankfully, the OBR has taken your boy in, given him a chance, and really given me some peace of mind about where I'll be writing and where you can find all the content. So many of you reached out, gave me you know positive words of encouragement, and just wanted to see where I'd be writing. I'm glad this got settled. The group over at the OBR, Barry, Lane, uh, Bob Evans, who's sort of taken a little bit of a step back, but a great guy, Jared, uh, John Stevenson, All22, Chalk Talk on Twitter, one of the best doing X's and O's, Mac Robinson, all those guys have been great to me. So that's where you can find my work. It really really helps me um you know if you guys can take some time and and subscribe they have some great deals going over there and it's how i it's how i get paid to do my work if i was on my individual website a lot of you offered up to pay i hope you guys can join the obr if you haven't done so already because it's great content you're really getting between fred greetham doing the beat writing the rumor central all the inside information all of the chalk talk information to myself and john mac robinson jared mueller Brandon Castle, those guys are giving you great content. It's the best group of writers as a whole, a big group, to, to, to be doing it. They don't We don't have the inside access that some other media companies do, but if you're just looking for quality content, 
you know, just simply quality content covering the Browns, giving you every angle, this is the place you should subscribe. I hope you do so. But we haven't talked since the 53-man roster was uh, unveiled, so I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, some things that surprised me, some things that didn't surprise me. We'll, uh, we'll just go position by position. They kept three quarterbacks, thought they would. It'll be very fascinating to see who they're going to dress on game days. Uh, I don't think they'll dress three. I think they'll only dress two. No surprises at running back Chubb, Hilliard, Johnson. Does stink that Kareem Hunt will not be able to be at the facility for the first eight weeks, but you just kind of hope he stays on the straight and narrow. But, you know, Hilliard and, and, and Dearness Johnson both earned roster spots, and I'm excited about what they can do. Different skill sets. You know, Johnson's more of your in-between-the-tackles guy who can be a, a higher-volume carry player in case Nick Chubb doesn't, or uh, in any case that Nick Chubb couldn't go for a game. And, and Dante Hilliard's a sort of uh, dual-threat role, so that'll be uh, fascinating. But I like what they're doing with running back. I feel good about it once... You know, once Kareem Hunt comes back, that'll be that'll be settled. Wide receiver with some shakeups. I was surprised how many things were changing, you know, changing for this group, you know, the back half of the, the wide receiver room because, you know, so many of us were convinced that this this wide receiver room was set based on the first three or four names. Then the Callaway suspension happens, some shuffling. DJ Montgomery comes out of nowhere, really starts to pop off. And then things got a little murky. Braxton Miller comes, but they made a trade. So they, they kept Damian Ratley, which is good. I thought he had really good when I was there in person. OTAs and uh, mini camp, I thought he was really good. And it was good the first day of training camp before he, he went down with an injury. So I thought he was making the roster, and that came to fruition, which is what I which was what I thought would happen. So he's there, obviously. Um, you know, And then they, they, they went out and made a deal, a late-round pick, a seventh-round pick for Taewon Taylor from, from the Titans have Teron Davenport coming on later uh, in this episode, and he's going to talk about his, his surprise that they, they shipped Taylor to Cleveland. We'll go over all of the inside information on him, but I like I like that addition. I like the price point addition. I like the future of that player in this wide receiver room based on money value. And then I like the addition of um, you know Kadero Hodge. I wrote about a film room, if you haven't seen them both on the OBR, on uh, Taewon Taylor and Kadero Hodge. I like what Hodge brings. Think the Browns are going to use him more as a special teams guy, a gunner, good kickoff player, kick return player, but can go out and catch the football too. I have about 178 yards and 11 catches in the preseason. Um, some some teams wanted him. I thought I thought it was, you know, a little bit of a surprise to bring him in, but I, I like him as the sixth guy. And if if he shows out and has a really impressive, you know, first four weeks, he could he could stick on the roster and uh, even when Antonio Callaway comes back. But he has four games to prove his point. Can do some things. Don't think you'll see many receiving reps, but. He'll be a big part of the special teams group, I do know that. You know, tight end, they keep four. Pharaoh Brown stays, Seth the Valve goes, Ricky Seals-Jones, they claim. I'm not sure they're going to keep four tight ends all year, but maybe they will. You know, maybe Freddie Kitchens wants to keep four, and uh, you know, I'm not sure what they're going to do at fullback. Tight end and where they're going to line some of these guys remains a little bit murky, so we're just going to have to go you know, into week one and just sort of see what happens. Along the offensive line, they made a trade for Justin McCray, who I, I like that trade. Um, it allows them to have a guy who's got experience at right tackle. Uh, played 2017 when Brian Balaga got hurt for the Packers. He played um, an extensive amount of snaps at right tackle. Played a lot of snaps uh, last year at guard. So he's got guard and tackle experience. So Kendall Lamb can play both tackle positions. You have McCray who can play the tackle positions. They got Drew Forbes to the IR, which was to be expected. And then they have Austin Corbett as their pigeonhole backup center. They're going to give another year or two, apparently, to see if he can figure it out. And then they went to Buffalo and made the trade for Wyatt Teller, who uh, I posted both uh, Justin McCray and Wyatt Teller film. And I, I really like I really like Wyatt Teller's film. I think he's got a, a genuine chance at right guard. 
You know, I know they're starting Eric Cush, and Freddie's been vocal about that, but they made this deal with Wyatt Teller to, 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 to have him get a chance to play that position. He's got better athletic ability, better technique than Eric Cush. It's just knowing the playbook. And, you know, I've talked to some people from Buffalo, and uh, it seems like it was a mental thing in that, in that, in that Brian Dable playbook, which is pretty thick. It was a, it was a mental lag. And, and even Teller mentioned that in his opening press conference Monday after practice, which was, you know, hoping to come into Cleveland, things could be a little bit simpler as far as learning, understanding the offense, and he could sort of play quicker. And I think if that happens for him, he could be a really good player, and he has potential to be a long-term right guard starter and uh, at, at an affordable price. So I like how the offensive line shook out. I like that the group was proactive and in, in going out and getting some people, and I feel much better about it now than I did if uh, things were unsettled and they still had murky backup positions, and, and I just feel better about their guard. So that's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a positive. But before we get to the daunting defensive side of the football, I'm going to again bend your ear about Harry's Razors. I use them. I swear by them. I swear I used them before Blue Wire started paying me to read this. I'm telling you, you should too. It's cheap. Ten million people use them. You just got to go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Founders, two regular guys tired of getting ripped off paying for overpriced razors. You know the companies. They charge too much money. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 a blade. I'm telling you, the cheap make, but quality product means it's a cheaper price for you. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund, okay? Summer, refresh your wallet and your face at Harry's trial set. This trial set gives you the weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, a five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, and rich lathering shave gel that'll leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of Brown's Film Breakdown or any other Blue Wire podcast can redeem their trial offer at harrys.com slash bluewire. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. Help to support the show. I need you. Let's talk about defense now. Less surprises. Along the front, we thought Daniel Quale was making this team. He did. Thought he proved himself throughout camp. He made the team. Devereaux Lawrence came on strong. One of the better defensive tackles in all of the NFL during preseason. Obviously makes the roster. They're only keeping four true defensive tackles. Chad Thomas makes it. He might, in an injury pinch, be a little bit of a hybrid. <sighs> Guys, I don't know. They're keeping Chad Thomas and they're keeping Austin Corbett because they don't want to admit they're wrong yet. We'll see how it pans out. Chris Smith is another one of your defensive end uh, rotational players, and I believe the same will be for Jannard Avery as uh, as the first rotational defensive end who they'll use in sub-packages because that guy gets after the quarterback. But only keeping nine defensive linemen was interesting to me. You could say eight if they kept, you know, if you consider Jannard Avery a linebacker. I don't because I don't think he'll play there, but, you know, that's, uh, that's they kept they kept nine. 8.5. Linebackers, no real surprise. They did claim Malik Jefferson from Cincinnati, uh, an interesting player, free, a really good athlete, still very young. I think he's only 22, 23 years old. Um, hasn't figured it out, Hasn't didn't figure it out in Cincinnati, didn't find the field enough. Even when Cincinnati was just depleted at linebacker, as the Browns saw the last half of last year, he couldn't find the field enough, and uh, it was just a disaster. I think he's dealt with some injuries, too. Um, but we'll see. Maybe they can mold him. He'll be a part of the special teams with that athleticism. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, the, the linebackers just let go Ray Ray Armstrong. They, uh, they, they kept the big five that I presume would be on the roster, which is the starters, Schobert, Kirksey, Mac Wilson, and Takitaki, the young linebackers there, and then Adarius, Adarius Taylor, 
who will be uh, the Sam when they bring a third linebacker onto the field. So they, they end up keeping um, keeping a total of six linebackers, 6.5 if you include Jannard Avery in that group. You know, secondary-wise, no big surprises. Philip Gaines goes to IR, which, um, you know, is, is sort of a, an unfortunate situation, but they keep, uh, you know, five safeties. They kept Murray, Whitehead, Redwine behind Randall and Burnett. And then at corner, they kept five corners, uh, TJ Carey and Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward, Terrence Mitchell, and then they did keep Tavare Thomas, who I think is really an underrated special teams player that, that I think you guys will really come to like this year. And um, it should be okay. I think this defense, it, they kept less players defensively than I thought they would, a couple less, but it's a good group. The first group is good, so we'll just have to see how the depth plays out and um, you know, and see how these – I think it hinges a lot on – on how the backup, you know, defensive tackles were able to play between Lawrence and Equality because they didn't get any of those guys they went after, you know, and they went after, you know, they went after Gerald McCoy and so on and so forth, and unfortunately none of those came to fruition. So they they, they roll with Lawrence. If Lawrence is as dominant as we saw in the preseason, they they could have something there. So we'll see. The biggest shakeup is is punter and kicker. They're keeping the two rookies, the Scottish Hammer. Look, you know, I keep I know keeping two rookies is risky. I get it. Um, but but Jamie Gillen's young and he's affordable and he can really punt the football and the guy's a natural athlete who's a plus coverage player in both phases and um, I get it you save a little bit of money you got a player who will be here for a long time I think he'll be a fine punter there might be a little bit of growing pains but um, I think he'll be fine they wouldn't have made that move unless they trusted him and I, I was impressed when I saw him up close Austin Seibert you know, went 8 of 8 the last two weeks of the preseason, and that solidified the job. They wanted him to win that job, and he did win that job. So we'll see how he kicks. He seems more confident than, you know, early in camp preseason. It could be something you figure out. You're kicking different footballs. You're kicking to different field goal posts and in different environments. You know, the good thing is something clicked, which is awesome. So, uh, you know, Seibert will be uh, entrenched as a kicker for a long time. You know, God forbid something goes wrong with him, but... They want him to be the guy for a while. They drafted him. The holder will be Gillen. He seems fine with it. He's figured it out. It was a process early, but but he's good now. Charlie Hewlett, snapper, as you would presume, in the kick return, punt return, seems to be set up to be handled by Dontrell Hilliard both phases, but him and Dearness Johnson have experience. So we will see. I like having running backs who are, who are comfortable holding the football, you know, less uh, less fumblerous. So I like it. That rounds out the 53. Some surprises for sure. So then you start looking at the practice squad. They kept uh, they kept eight players on the practice squad of the eleven on the squad. They kept eight guys that were in um, you know in camp with the Browns. So they kept Stephen Carlson, tight end. I like him. He's undersized, but he, he's he's fluid. Can do some things. A nice project linebacker Willie Harvey, who I'm very high on. Think he will be a good player out of Iowa State. I love having him here, and he wants to be here um, and fits this scheme. J T Hassel, who I thought was I thought it was very effective, flew around and, and provided real... I, I'm going to be honest, JT Hassel showed me more in the preseason than, than Sheldrick Redwine, so we're just going to have to see. Robert McGuire, the corner they... Or sorry, Robert Jackson, the corner they kept. They bring in from New York Elijah McGuire, the running back, who's in his third year, has had some some you know some action in his career. He's out of Louisiana Lafayette. He was drafted in the sixth round. He's had 180 carries, 591 yards, four touchdowns, 36 catches, 370 yards, and two scores. He's done some things in the NFL but couldn't find a long-term landing place this offseason or even a one-year deal. So, you know, the Browns need a little bit of security the first half of the year, so they put him on the practice squad, and they'll they'll have him there if they need him. So the additions are um, Paul Adams, 
You know, Adams is uh, is a rookie out of Missouri. He's an undrafted free agent with the Giants. Giants cut him. He played, uh, you know, in every game of the preseason, 41 games at, at Missouri. It's a right tackle there. You know, we're just going to have to see. He's a, he's a nice project, plays 6'6", 315. They like his potential, apparently. You know, Brandon Bryant is the other name that they brought in. Um, and then they brought in Shelton Gibson, who uh, Odell Beckham had. Praised him for his 2016 one-handed catch by Gibson. You know, the Eagles let him go with an injury designation earlier in camp. It's a third-year guy out of West Virginia. He was a fifth-round pick for the Eagles. 2017 draft, 20 regular season games, five postseason games for the Eagles over the last two years. He was in the Super Bowl victory, so he brings experience. He comes from a winning environment, and um, you know he's a he's a Cleveland native. He's a Cleveland Heights guy, so it's cool for him to come back. I, I really like the practice squad, though. A good mixture of of, uh, of, of football talent that's young, can be developed, kept positions that I think that you can develop, uh, wide receiver, tackle, linebacker, safety. They kept a little bit of everything. And they kept Derek Willies and Willie and Willie right around, too. I should have mentioned those two names. And then international program defensive back Tiggy Sanko, they kept kept those guys. I was happy they got Willies back because, you know, if any injuries happen or anything crazy happens, a wide receiver, he brings experience and had a nice camp. So a little bit surprised they let – you know, they let him go initially, but I'm glad they, they were able to bring him back. And uh, Willie Wright's an interior guy who they like a little bit, can develop and, and, and knows the offense going through camp with the team. So that's your practice squad. But let's shift entirely away from practice squad, 53-man discussions, and let's focus on week one. Good Lord, the anticipation is coming to a, you know, a, a climax, for lack of a better word. We're ready to go. Both teams are... This fan base is ready to go. Uh, I haven't seen anything quite like it. I wish I could be up there in Cleveland Sunday, but I won't be able to go. Um, but, boy, it should be fascinating. It should just be electric up there. And and I want to preview the Titans. So I want to give you guys as much information as thoroughly as possible about this team as the you know as the Browns prepare and look to go 1-0 you know, at the home opener win for the first time since 2004. So I recorded this with Teron Davenport on uh, – Tuesday in the afternoon, he's the NFL ESPN Nation reporter. He covers the Titans, does a great job, does his own work that we're going to talk about. So we talked about some things. Since then, we've come to figure out that, you know, Danny Kelly's still dealing with his issue. And right tackle uh, Jack Conklin is also absent from practice. So who knows what's going on with the tackles, you know, for the Titans. So Teron's going to bring great information, and I think you guys will really enjoy this interview. So let's get over to that. Look, guys, I'm excited. Week one is finally here. I was excited when the Browns' week one opponent, the Titans, was announced because I think it's just a great measuring stick for where both franchises are. And uh, I, I feel like, you know, Tennessee brings a unique challenge to Cleveland. It's a unique challenge that I think the rest of the league will be watching. They have their best broadcast group covering this game. So to preview the Titans, I thought there's no better source to bring in on this than ESPN NFL Nation's reporter who covers the Titans, Teron Davenport. Thank you, sir, for joining me. How are you today? Hey, man, I'm doing really well. I appreciate you bringing me on. And how about it, man? Two teams that normally get zero attention in the biggest game on CBS, man. It couldn't get any better than that, right? Can't get any better. It'll be it'll be under the, uh, under the microscope, and uh, I think it'll be – I think it'll live up to expectations. That's just me. What do you think? You think it'll live up to it? Yeah, I really do. I mean, there's there's some storylines, obviously, with Taewon Taylor coming back, uh, you know, against his, his old team. 
that recent news, but then even just all the the playmakers that are in this game, man. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I can't wait to be honest with you. Well, let's let's jump in and talk about Taewon Taylor. So the Browns pulled the trigger. I, I saw I saw that there was there was some buzz about him moving, but I just sort of thought maybe Jacksonville. I'd heard some Cleveland things, but you know, from from the perspective of Browns fans and those covering the team, it's like, do they need help a wide receiver? I get the angle for the Browns, yeah. but what's the angle for the Titans that they felt comfortable moving Taewon, especially to their Week One opponent? Yeah, I, I was surprised by the move. To be honest with you, I talked to Taewon a lot during the the off season, uh, during training camp, and even in the preseason, just about some of the things he was doing to get better. And, I mean, the, the thing with Taewon Taylor has always been, uh, well, it's been two things, catching the playbook and, frankly, catching the football. He had to develop better ball skills, and it was just one of those things where I, I think the Titans organization just got tired of waiting for that to happen. Now, granted, he would show flashes. If you go back and watch, I think it was the Jets game. He had over 100 yards receiving mostly off play action. But the the main thing with Taewon was just consistency. And that's something that he wasn't able to really establish. But there is so much talent with that guy as far as being a deep threat, being able to, to catch the ball and run, get you the yards after the catch. They just felt like it was better for them, in this case, to stick with a, a guy in Khalif Raymond, an undrafted guy who has bounced around the last three years one of the things that Raymond brought to the table that Taewon Taylor didn't was punt return ability, and then he was able to double as a kick returner. And then even he had versatility as far as being reliable to plug into any of the receiver spots. And as, as a former player, you know, the more you could do, the better it is, and the more you can secure yourself a roster spot. And that's really what, what happened with Raymond. So at the end of the day, they, they ended up going with him over Taewon Taylor. I know before the pod, Tron, you were talking to me about, you know, doing some film breakdown stuff, and we we're talking about my background. And then you said you do a little bit of podcast on uh, picking a play, and and you had one with with Taewon. Can can Browns fans find that to learn a little bit more about him? But where could they find that at? Yeah, for sure. You could go on to um, the game Nashville dot com, and uh, talking with TD is you have to click on there. As a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and share a link. Uh, with you so you can put it on your, your page so that way the fans can, can get it that way uh, rather than try to direct them and guide them through the website on, on, on the game Nashville. But, yeah, you know, as a former receiver, I always like being able to talk to receivers. But, I mean, any position I like to talk. But with this one, it was really good because we got to really get Taylor's perspective on how he was able to make these uh, series of plays that led to him being a 100-yard receiver that game again the Jets and it was a good perspective just being able to sit down with him watch the play and have him verbalize what was coming up what was happening yeah I think I think people would benefit that especially you know our side of things people would benefit getting that from players so hopefully we could get that rolling someday but uh especially give you guys some insight into into Taewon Taylor because I think you're going to want to know because you know my my opinion of of where this goes for Cleveland is they're going to have some decisions to make and some money cuts that they might have to consider 
Taylor provides some security for the Browns in terms of if, if Rashard Higgins has the year some people think he might have, he's a guy they might not be able to afford. Taylor could step into that role. Or if the Browns get in a real crunch, Jarvis Landry's bonus money's paid out. You're looking at a minimal cap hit if they did, which I, I don't think they will because of the connection to not just Odell Beckham, but obviously the connection to the whole franchise. He's been a key cog in this you know, attitude turnaround, cultural turnaround that the Browns have had, and I don't think they want to let him go. But Taylor provides that, uh, you know, on a, on a two-year contract. He's got two years left on this rookie deal. He provides that security, so I thought it worked. It probably works for both sides, which is, you know, always a good thing to say about a trade. But let's continue kind of going down the offensive track. I think, I think offensively there's some questions. Defensively, we'll get there in a little bit. I think the Titans are really set there. But I want to ask you a couple of offensive mm. questions here. Offensive line without Taylor Luan, um, it, it it seems to be where people are pointing to they could run into the biggest issue. I saw Dennis Kelly, uh, a little bit of, was that an ankle he's dealing with this week? And sort of touch on Dennis Kelly and what you think this offensive line will look like uh, come Sunday. Yeah, well, Dennis Kelly, um, he didn't practice yesterday. It wasn't disclosed why, but Mike Vrabel said it's nothing to be too worried about now he said that other times and it was a serious issue so i think tomorrow i think wednesday is going to be the when we could really see exactly what's going on because that's when the injury report comes out too so we'll see how involved he is in practice but dennis kelly he's a guy that was he, he stepped up last year you know when dennis uh, when jack conklin went down he stepped up gave solid reps at, at right tackle you could go back and watch the uh Cowboys game I think it was week nine you watch that game and you'll see just kind of how he has come along as a tackle he had a pretty solid outing against Demarcus Lawrence shut him down in the second half so the thing is Miles Garrett Olivier Vernon <laughs> that's that's a big time challenge right so if you try to slide protection away from from Vernon towards Garrett you know to help Kelly now you got Conklin one-on-one against Vernon and I that's going to be an interesting matchup then not to mention the guys you got in the middle you know as far as Sheldon Richardson Ogajumbi these are, are grown men you know so there's definitely a challenge I think they're going to look to use a lot of chips I actually wrote about that there's a post that went up this morning on ESPN.com just about just how they're going to use uh, chip uh, chips from the running backs from the tight ends maybe even the receivers so that's going to be the main way to kind of slow down Miles Garrett, but that dude is a premier pass rusher, so it's going to be a major challenge. I'm interrupting the interview real quick. I want to talk to you guys about ShipStation before we continue to talk about the Titans. ShipStation, when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's where ShipStation.com comes in. Here to make it easy, here to make it fast and affordable, the best way to manage and ship your orders. No matter what you're selling, could be anything from Amazon, Etsy, your own website, wherever you're selling from, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. They're going to help you guys get those orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. Here's how you can take advantage. Right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E. There is absolutely no risk for you. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. 
ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, which is new. Never heard of them before, but they'll use them so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. Helps me, helps this podcast, helps you ship things out quickly. That's ShipStation.com. Enter the promo code blue, ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. All right, back to the interview. Yeah, it certainly feels like the Browns are uh, are going to try to, I mean, they're going to have to take advantage of their interior advantages. Uh, I think it seems to me like, We'll touch on two things here. It seems like Derrick Henry's coming back to health. He'll be back week one. I took him in my fantasy yeah. draft because I'm a believer. I'm not sure the Browns have Good had pick. have had uh, you know uh, run run defense issues over the years. It's a new coordinator, Steve Wilkes. I, I think they have the right plan in place, but we're gonna have to see. But I do want to talk about a big thing here, which is which is quarterbacks. I mean, Marcus is going into a, a pivotal year in his Titans in his Titans tenure, and they they brought in Ryan Tannehill for competition. Are things are things settled there with with Marcus? I think they obviously want him to to be the guy. Are, are they settled? And then, um, you know, how long is how long is that leash if things aren't moving as well as they as they hope? Yeah, to be honest with you, that situation has been settled for quite some time. It was settled even when they made the trade. The first thing that they talked to Ryan Tannehill about, and when I say they, I'm talking about John Robinson, the GM, was about him. He was going to be the backup. They wanted someone that could push Mariota, but he made it clear it was not a quarterback competition. So a lot of this stuff that you heard from a national perspective is noise. It's, that's all it is. If you look at practice throughout camp, throughout OTAs, many, you know, everything. Marcus Mariota got all of the first-team reps except for one day. So that noise just needs to be canceled. Now, as far as the leash is concerned, uh, that's something I think Marcus is really going to have to have a, a terrible series uh, of uh, outings in order for him to bench um, and Tannehill to go in. This week against the Browns, that playbook, in my opinion, is going to be condensed some just because of not being able to do true seven-step and, and the longer developing routes, you know, because of the protection issues. I expect to see a lot of play action. So that's where a guy like Dennis uh, – Dennis Kelly is going to have to do his thing, but Derrick Henry, you know, he, him in the running game, they're going to have to get that established and work off of that. Mariota, in my opinion, is a guy that's not a volume passer. Like, you don't want him passing the ball more than 30 times, you know, a game. And that being said, you balance it with the run. And that's why for this team, especially in this opener, where it's going to be a lot of noise, it's going to be a lot of hype, a lot of energy in that stadium. So I think in order to be kind of what I call a pack and play team, you got to have that running game going and then you have to work the defense. Therefore, Mariota, you know, I I think he's going to kind of fade away from the forefront in in this game. And I I think in this season, he's going to be kind of like a byproduct of their ability to run the ball, so to speak, just to open things up for him in the passing game. Yeah, I think, I think that they're going to, you know, from 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 Tennessee's perspective, using Marcus's legs a little bit will, will certainly be an important part of things. Like you mentioned, with play action and getting him into some advantageous situations, and 
I look at their offense, too. I like Adam Humphreys a lot. I think he might be a little pesky slot player that could give Cleveland some trouble, too. I always enjoyed his his efforts in Tampa, just a really good football player. Uh, offensive coordinator, you know, that role, obviously, Matt LaFleur leaves for Green Bay, gets a head coaching job. And they, they want to keep everything in-house. They want to keep it all, you know, sort of keep the, the, the fluidity here with everything scheme wise Arthur Smith tight end coach I believe right takes over as offensive coordinator what do we what do we expect from uh from an Arthur Smith offense is it going to look pretty similar is he going to bring in some of his own uh own concepts yeah I think it's going to look very similar he will have his own concepts as well um expect 12 personnel because Delaney Walker is a guy I think can offer mismatch problems to uh any defense right because he's a really solid tight end, runs routes like a receiver, so he'll be someone to watch out for. But uh, as far as, like, the difference, I think it's actually going to be very similar to what Matt LaFleur ran. That was the whole purpose of keeping Arthur Smith there was to have some form of continuity for uh, Mariota, who has never had that in his career. And uh, I think that's something that will help make him more uh, in a situation where he could be successful. So. There won't be – I don't expect that much of a difference as far as scheme is concerned, but as far as play calling is concerned, I think there will be a difference. In my opinion, Arthur Smith has more of that jerk to him that you need in order to be a, a successful play caller, whereas you, you need to have that, that mindset that, you know what, I don't care what you're trying to do. This is what we're doing, right? Uh, too many times last year, Matt LaFleur allowed the defense to dictate how he played call, uh, you know, did his play calling and also just the flow of the game to take him away from things that if you stick to will work, mainly the running game. So I expect to see more running and, and just playing off of that as far as the play calling is concerned. Yeah, I think there's a negative stigma with, with first-time play callers like Arthur Smith, but you know, I think Cleveland is probably one of the, you know, examples or, or something you point to for guys why why first time play callers can work. Freddie Kitchens takes over midway through yeah. the year, and people don't have film on him. They don't have his tendencies, and and they break out the second half of the year. So I I, I would guarantee a lot of the discussion behind closed doors in Cleveland is we got to be ready for any and everything. We have an idea, like you said. He's going to probably run a lot of what Lafleur ran, but we don't know. You don't know until you see it, and, and keeps you know teams keep their keep their hand hidden in the preseason. So that will be interesting, especially to see how well Cleveland's prepared for what what Tennessee throws at him. But let's you know, I, I don't think there's a ton to talk about defensively. I, here here's where I'm at. I think much like the Browns feel like their defense has a player at every level. I, I think the Titans obviously uh, have a player. They're one of the the more unsung quality defenses in the league. I mean, you look up front, they added Cameron Wake to Jarrell Casey, and I liked Brent Urban a lot from his time in in, mm-hmm. uh, in Baltimore. He's a nice addition. Defense, I mean, along the linebackers are Sean Evans and Jalen Brown, and Harold Landry going to be bringing pressure, who's a guy that we liked in Cleveland, too. Um, you know, all the way back to Kevin Byron, one of the premier safeties, and Malcolm Butler and Adore Jack. I mean, yeah. it's, it's right. The, you're talking about run game defense as the, as the avenue to win football games. How do you you know, how do you think this is kind of a tough question going into an opener when we don't have film on, on anybody yet, but if your perspective is the Titans defensive coaching staff, what's your plan to sort of slow down Cleveland's offense, which is, you know, a bevy of weapons? Yeah, I think the main thing is 
to attack Baker Mayfield and you want to get to him early and often. And obviously Landry is a guy that that they could use to do that. Cam Wake as well. But I think for me, it's going to come down to using Logan Ryan. And one of the things that Dean Pease really likes to do is send his corners on, on blitzes. So whether that's, you know, in a nickel package, you know, where Logan Ryan is bumped inside or even having him, you know, rush that, that passer from, from the outside position, which is something that they, they've done frequently. So I, I think that's going to be a way to just to kind of get him off to a bad start. And, and my thing with, with Mayfield, I, I, he has so much ability. So does Odell Beckham Jr. So does Jarvis Landry and a lot of other guys on, on that team. But I just want to see how they respond when they get punched in the mouth, right? And and we know we've seen Beckham in situations where things didn't go right, and emotionally he allowed that to get to him. I want to see if that happens with Baker Mayfield as well and how all these personalities react in that type of situation. So that's why what I try to do if I was a defensive coordinator is to make things as rough and difficult as possible for Baker and for that offense in the first couple of series and just see how they react to it. So I'm sending the house. They also like to blitz Rashawn Evans on the interior gaps. They blitz Jayon Brown too. Jayon Brown was second on the team in sacks. So there are different ways. I mean, they even Kenny Vaccaro, you know, we didn't mention him, but you're looking for Carl and, and Kevin Byard, you know, as an ASC North guy, you know, back in the day, that combination of Ed Reed and, and, and Pollard, Bernard Pollard, you know, the, the thumper and, and the center fielder, that's what they have in those two, obviously at a smaller scale, but still just that combination using them and blitzing each of them in different times. That's another way that they could attack. So for me, I'm all about attacking. I'm begging Malcolm Butler and Adore Jackson to plaster to these receivers, and, and you just uh, try to get to Baker, like I said, and frustrate him and, and get him off to a bad start. Yeah, those are some fantastic points, you know, I think the avenue for Tennessee is, is like you said, put put some early pressure on Cleveland, maybe get out to a seven ten nothing lead. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, then you're looking at some pressure being on on. on well, here, here's where I'm at with it. There's going to be people expect fireworks right out of the gate, but you don't have any experience together. I think that this is the right time to play yep. Cleveland in all honesty. You got guys exactly. that haven't been on the field together in a in a true game environment. Yeah, practices are, are are a thing, but like, you know, you know how it is. Turn the lights on. What does it look like when when the rubber meets the road and like you're saying, you know, you put you put Cleveland's back against the wall. How are those guys going to respond? I couldn't even tell you how they're going to respond well or bad cuz I haven't seen them together. So, um, you know, you don't want to fall behind. If you fall behind, you know, like I said, 7, 10, 13, 14, nothing, all of a sudden that's that's where they want you because then they, you know, they can run the rock and, and take the pressure off Marcus and, and rely on this defense. So you're right, the beginning of the game is going to be paramount to see sort of where the, uh, you know, where the, you know, the, the, the temperature per se of where this game is going. So that's fascinating to me. I will I will put you on the spot, week one prediction. I don't know <laughs> if you can, but can you give me your uh, your game one Sunday, First Energy Stadium, final score. Yeah, you know what? I really – I could give you a prediction, and I've felt all along, even before the LaJuan suspension, that this would be a game for the Titans to win. I just think it matches up perfectly because, as you mentioned, this is a new offense. that's still trying to gel. 
But this is a team who is very strong. They're stronger on the defensive side. So it's a perfect marriage. And defenses are always ahead of the, the offense. You know, when you look at a team, especially like in training camp, when they're getting back together, the defense tends to be ahead of pace. So I think that is going to happen in this game. I have the, the Titans winning this game 21-17. to 17. I think it's going to be a, a shocker to the nation because we know the Browns are getting a lot of hype and, and deservingly so after all the things that they've done. But it's just if they could get to Baker early, you know, the best thing for them would be to to win the coin toss, kick it off, stop the offense, and have their offense get on the field and drive down the field, focusing on the running game. That will take away a lot of that energy in that stadium immediately in that first quarter, and I think that's how they win the game. You're spot on. There's going to be pressure immediately. I'll ask you this. I'll put you on the hot spot again. When was the last Cleveland Browns <laughs> home opener win? Any guess what year that took place? Uh, I will say, let's see, 2014. Just a wild guess. You're a decade too soon. 2004 was the last one wow. that they it's been rough it's been rough the Jeff Garcia led Browns somehow beat Baltimore in 2004 to open the season it went downhill quickly from there as you would presume but it has been a while so Browns you know the people around Berea where the Browns are are based and their fan but everybody's uptight because it's just been so long since the Browns have been able to open a game at home and win so the fan base is going to carry a little bit of that negative stigma into the stadium and it, I'm just telling you, the, the beginning of this game might tell the whole story, so I'm fascinated with it, and I think your point about about kicking the ball to Cleveland, pinning them on a three and out and scoring, and all of a sudden it's, a, it's just a different game. So this is good. It's great insight. I think Browns fans will learn a lot from it. Tron, tell everybody where they can find all your stuff at because you're doing great work. Oh, I appreciate that, man. You can find me uh, on Twitter at tdavenport underscore NFL. ESPN.com, if you just click that that teams, the NFL, then teams that take you to the Titans, that gives you everything that I'm writing about the Titans. If you like to hear me talk shop, you can go to thegamenashville.com. That's ESPN Nashville station. So uh, you can go there, uh, click Talking with TD. That's the podcast. I actually sent you the link to the Taewon Taylor uh, show, but then also every Friday I'm on there doing a, a live show and that's from 6 to 8 p.m. I got Jake Trotter coming on this week and we'll, we'll have uh, a few others, um, you know, one of the national guys this week as well. Uh, throughout the year, we're going to be doing the play breakdowns and talking with TD and then every week we're going to have the ESPN reporter coming on uh, for the team that the Titans playing. So if you ever want any Titans news, definitely make sure you look me up and uh, you're doing awesome work as well. I'm going to definitely uh, look to you for some some breakdowns, uh, especially leading into this week. You know I appreciate that. You, you were the first guy I came to because uh, I know this is the source of the right information in Nashville. So, guys, take the time, man, to uh, – he sent me the link. I'm going to post that link. Take the time to follow Teron because you're going to learn more about just the Titans. You're going to learn about the NFL at large and just about football. So this is good stuff. Uh, again – 21-17 prediction. I'm putting my prediction, 23-17 Browns. Moral of the story is that five-and-a-half point line I think it's sitting right now is probably something to make you uncomfortable <laughs> about one way or the other. That's what I know. 
hopefully it's a good game. Hopefully it meets expectations, and uh, maybe we'll catch Teron maybe on a podcast for Wild Card Weekend or something fun like that. Teron, thanks for having uh, having a couple minutes for me, buddy, and uh, I know everybody in Brown's side of things will really appreciate hearing this. Yeah, for sure, Jake. No problem anytime, man, and hopefully we can reconvene in the playoffs. I look forward to that. All right, guys, we will uh, we'll be back. I'm going to talk to you guys about my prediction, where I think things are going from a detailed breakdown, and uh, uh, we'll jump back in here in just a minute. All right, it's my prediction time. You heard Teron's. He thinks Tennessee gets the victory. I think on the other side of things, I think the tackle play is going to be a big issue. The Titans putting there, which this was new news that at the time Teron didn't know that they were putting – a heck of a kicker, Ryan Suckup on 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 IR and um, you know bringing in a guy who was shaky. I think it was three for seven last year. Field goals, Cairo Santos. So this is big. A game that you know these early season games come down a lot of times. The field position, getting kicks through the uprights, and uh, no longer do the Titans have the advantage there, which I think matters. The two tackles are banged up. Uh, not, not at least not at a hundred percent. They'll probably play, but at least not a hundred percent. A new first-time offensive coordinator. I know Browns fans are sensitive to that subject with with Freddie Kitchens, but if you recall, the Browns didn't necessarily dominate Kansas City. They did well, but they didn't dominate. There's some growing pains, you know, so I think that that will matter. I think there are some factors that are in the Browns. The Titans are are really good. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. They are, you know, especially defensively loaded and, uh, Going to give the Browns offense fits, I think. Uh, I think people are expecting fireworks. I don't think that that necessarily happens for the Browns. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be low scoring. I don't love the line for Cleveland. I think it's going to be a 21 strike. That I think it's 23-17. So they do cover if the line hasn't moved since I last looked at it. But it's going to be tight. Browns have to hold this inexperienced Titans offense to at least 17 or under. I think if they don't, that's a disappointment. And just score enough points, take care of the football, score enough points, and uh, I think they have you know, I think they have a good shot to do that. But the Titans have one of the better defenses the Browns are going to face this first part of the year. And understand that the Titans, you know, I think I've seen in the last 3 years and the Titans have been 9 and 7 over the 3-year stretch, but you know, no team has Actually, I shouldn't say no. I think New England's the only team that's beaten more playoff qualifying teams than the Titans. So when they're really good, when the Titans are good, they're very good. They've beat teams like the Eagles, the Rams over the last few years. And, um, you know, when they're playing well, like I said, when they're really good, when they play their best, they're very good. And they'll be up for this challenge. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they respond, how Cleveland responds. I think the, the Browns might be catching the Titans at the perfect time. I know Teron thinks the Titans catching the Browns at the perfect time, but uh, I think the Browns are catching the Titans also at the right time. So stop the run, make, you know, Marcus Mariota you know, beat you with his arm, something he's not consistently done in his career in the NFL, and, you know, challenge the, the Tennessee wide receiver group, which is not great. And uh, you got to stop Derrick Henry, man. That's what it all comes down to. So 23-17, my final prediction for the Browns, get their first home opener win since 2004, and starts to launch things into uh, Monday Night Football uh, the next week and the next few weeks, which are big games, big primetime games. So the Browns really need to get this one, and I, I think I think they will. So that's a weird expectation, but we're there. This has been a long one. My podcasts usually come in about the 20, 25-minute mark, but we got some great information. We looked at the 53-man roster. We talked to Teron about the Titans. I don't think you're going to get any more detailed information than you got from him. 
and uh, follow them. Learn about football and not just the Titans, you know, the, the, the entire game. That's the goal of this podcast, Browns Phone Breakdown, is to, is to teach. And I'm going to try to do more of that this year through the, uh, through the verbal side of podcasting. So thanks for joining me. You know I love you guys. This podcast is so fun to do. I really enjoy it. I'm glad you guys listen. You know, you guys leave a lot of reviews. We're up over 100 reviews on iTunes, which means a ton to me. The, the Browns Film Breakdown Twitter page is converting to a full-time podcast page, so I will be doing a ton with Blue Wire there. Less game breakdowns, more game breakdowns on my page in the OBR. So the uh, Browns Film Breakdown, you know, at Browns Film BDM will be your link for all things podcast information. We'll try to get good guests as we normally do. I'll try to give you good information as I normally do. You guys keep giving the love, keep telling me what you need, what you like, mailbag questions, all of that stuff. Review us on iTunes. It all is uh, appreciated. And follow along with Blue Wire. I think this is a skyrocketing network who's bringing on a ton of great content, ton of great NFL content, too, if you're hungry for that this season, fantasy information, all of it. So, again, guys, thanks for joining us. I will be coming back with a Sunday night review of the game, talk to you guys about what happened, hopefully breaking down a Browns win. Until then, we will catch you guys Sunday night, and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.